Welcome back to the Sully Scoop, where three lifelong Husker bros dive in-depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade, under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans, with J-Sol, B-Sol, and T-Sol. The Sully Scoop is the official Nebraska Cornhusker football podcast, brought to you by Big Banter. Back on your favorite Cornhusker podcast, The Sully Scoop, we're here with ex-Husker himself, Paul, to go through and dive into how he sees the season going and the schedule for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Welcome on, Paul. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. Welcome on, Paul. Happy to get your take on the season. Okay. So going game by game at Minnesota. Uh, unfortunately, I have a close loss there. You know, I think this is probably the biggest game of the season for the Huskers because it can really set the tone for the rest of the season. Kind of hoping that they can go up there and get the win. It's a big stage for Coach Rule. And with a new quarterback, it's, uh, it's going to really kind of set the tone here, I think, for the rest of the season. Following that game, you have at Colorado against Coach Prime. And I know that I said Minnesota's the top game of the year. I think this is the one that everybody's going to be watching, though. It'll be Prime and the big show that comes with that. What I think really plays into the Huskers' advantage is I believe Colorado's going at TCU in game one. And TCU obviously coming off a national championship game. Even though, though it didn't go how they want, that's still a huge force. Uh, to be going against in game one. I've had coaches in the past talk about losing twice and letting a team beat you twice. That's what scares me with this game. So I think that plays into balance for both teams here, potentially. So I really think that rules, coach rules, um, experience should help out the team and better prepare them for that game. I think the Huskers get the win there. Nice, uh, nice to start one and one. Um, just want to circle back. I agree with you. I think we all see that Minnesota game being being close in either side of it. Are you thinking, especially with Minnesota bringing in a new, basically a new offense, uh, new quarterback, new running back, and just kind of being young on the offensive side of the ball? Do you think that's an advantage for the Huskers, or do you think that we'll have enough growing pains ourselves? Well, I definitely do think that um, Nebraska's size on the D-line can cause some problems, and I think that can be very tough for a young offensive line, especially, you know, when you got guys like, uh, what's his name, Nash Hutt. How do you say his name? Because he was a huge-time wrestling prospect. I used to watch – I used to coach wrestling, and I used to watch all his matches, and he was a monster. It was Nash Huttmacher, Huttmacher, something. I I think it's Huttmacher, yeah. Hunt Don't ask me, I'll pronounce bear. it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the polar bear. So he and Ty Robinson, I think, will be the guys that if they can have a dominant start to the game and really shut down the rushing game, I think that'll give Minnesota a lot of problems. Yeah, going into this season, Ty Robinson, for me, is one of those X factors because you, we only saw like flashes in the pan of what he had for potential, but he doesn't play like it all game long. You only see it like once every two drives. And if he if he can just put his full potential forward, 
I mean, Nebraska's defense can be scary because the DBs should be pretty solid this year. And if you get at least one guy causing pressure up the middle, that'll cause havoc. But if, if he plays like he did last season, I just I don't know how the defensive line is going to hold up against the other Big Ten teams when they just try and run it right at you. Well, the DB's productivity is going to come down to how the defensive line is getting a push there. They can't lock guys down for all day. I mean, we saw that last year, and they would end up, you know, being gassed by the end of the game because they're covering all game, or, you know, guys are just breaking through and getting the deep ball. Well, that's what I'm and telling that- you, Jay. So Ty Robinson's the X factor for the season. I think the t- the defense will the play DBs, as good as he plays. The DBs aren't the game changer in the week one against He's Minnesota. a defensive lineman. He's not a DB. Yeah, but you're saying that the DBs are going to be much improved and they're the best part of this defense. Let me tell you, that doesn't have anything to do with us beating Minnesota. They are a run-happy team. Pete, I think think there's a couple defensive linemen that are X-factors. I don't know that Ty Robinson is an X-factor. You kind of know what you're going to get, but like uh, Paul brought up, I mean, uh, Nash getting a single-digit number there, being recognized by the team coming out, he's going to be huge as a nose tackle. And then you got the freshman, Jaisal's pick for uh, defensive player, Cameron Lenhart, is going to be huge as well. Uh, you've got Princewell. You've got the transfer He's coming out linebackers. of fall camp as a starter, I want you to know. He's coming out of fall camp as a starter, and you guys are giving me a hard time for picking him. But I think there's, I think there's a lot of talent on this defensive front that has the chance to be an X-factor. And I don't know that Ty Robinson is going to be what people are considering the X-factor. Well, B, so what I'm telling you is Ty Robinson's the only guy who's who's been starting there. This is going to be his third year starting. None of the Congrats. other guys have that experience. Congrats. Go look at what this team has done for those three <laughs> years. Well, Jay, so let's see if Cameron Lenhart even plays the whole game because they got a lot of guys underneath him that are fighting for that playing time. Well, then Ty the Robinson could, himself yeah. should be scared. Same could be said about Robinson there, T. I don't think Robinson ever left the game last year. The problem isn't him getting playing time. The problem is him just playing with his full potential in the game. Definitely. That's where I think, uh, you know, the polar bear, if he can give him a break and provide that relief that they can both play at a high level all game long, that really makes it difficult on the offensive line. And see that, See, that's a good one, Paul. If if maybe that was the issue last year, maybe he was just tired, you know, because as Jason mentioned, defense was on the field the entire game. Plus, he doesn't have a good enough defensive tackle to come in and spell him. That could be the yeah. difference this year. Maybe, maybe I'm calling the wrong X Factor. Maybe the Hutch Master is the X Factor. I think he, he might be enough to put him over the edge. <laughs> whenever you look at those teams like like a team like Georgia, who can go in and just rotate, 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 rotate. You have those guys playing as hard as they can on every snap. So yeah. when you're when you know you might not have that much depth, yet you're forced to play guys the entire game. And when they're playing the whole game, they just you know they're not playing up to their full potential. So you know that's that's what stuck out to me. So I'm excited to see the polar bear on the football field, and along with there. Ty Robinson. And notice, Jason, how he mentioned Ty Robinson and not Cameron Lenhard as your MVP pick. <laughs> That's because we were just going over him. He's at the top of the mind. It's not because he's better there, Tiso. 
Well, I just want to remind you, Ty Robinson's not my MVP pick. I picked Marquez Buford Jr. I think he's going to be a beast out there at safety this season. I actually believe when you picked it, you said Marquez Buford Sr. <laughs> no. And like I noted to you, that episode was his dad, I don't think we'll see on the field too much. Yeah, so Paul, I think uh I think we're all kind of in agreement there, especially um going into um Boulder and facing CU. I think especially as much as Dion has taken and really revamped this Colorado team through the transfer portal, I think he has a lot more work cut out for him. Um everybody across the board that we've asked sees this game as a victory. Are you thinking it's gonna be closer than probably the rest of the panel has, or do you think this will be a little lopsided by the end of the game? I think it's going to be a big win. I have the Huskers as a big win. I think that that first game against TCU for Colorado is going to cause them problems because I think it'll start causing fracturing on that team. They're going to have high expectations. They're not going to meet those expectations. And when you have so many transfers, I think a bunch of guys are going to be playing for themselves and they're playing for image, and that could cause some problems for Colorado. Absolutely. And just being a, you know, a bottom feeder last year in Colorado, I mean, this is a, I feel like this is a must win for the Huskers. And like the Huskers could have hired Deion Sanders. I put this up every week. They could have had him. We opted for Matt Rule. And, you know, it's really a telltale sign. If Colorado flips quicker than Nebraska and they beat Nebraska in this game, while they were a bottom feeder last year and a bottom five team in all of college football, I think it really says something to maybe we didn't get the right guy on rebuilding quick. Maybe he's a long-term rebuilder. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I would say that Nebraska was definitely looking at the long run with going with rule. Um, as far as this matchup goes, I think that um, the biggest advantage is that um, Dion brings to a team. I don't think, will directly translate to this game against Nebraska. So high-quality DB play, I don't know that that's going to be the deciding factor in the Colorado versus Nebraska matchup because I think it is going to be the interior in rushing the ball. So so when Colorado has a guy like Kermani McLean, I don't think it's going to – I don't think the type of matchup that it's going to be is going to allow that kind of – Words aren't coming to me. No, that's it. Won't be so playing I, to their strengths. That's what I'm getting to. So I yeah. guess you you are thinking or planning that the Huskers are going to be bringing Big Ten football to Colorado. Rather, could you see? I guess if Colorado is to go up early, and would you think the Huskers would start playing on their heels, especially if they're coming off a loss at Minnesota? Do you think it changes the game plan, so to speak, and they would go away from a running type of offense and kind of have to spread the ball and trust Jeff Sims? arm um i think that they would be forced to do i think that that's going to be what they're going to go to as their identity i don't i think they will focus on trying to um go with whatever they want their identity to be to be this season and really try and hammer that in instead of now i don't want to say panicking but like just taking your playbook and all your plans and throwing them out the window as soon as something's not going right in year one when you're trying to get things established. That's So, Paul, do you then foresee Gabe Irvin Jr. scoring seven touchdowns against Colorado? No. 
Unfortunately. Well, T-Cell has him scoring seven by Michigan. Do you think that that is only one of his hot take? He might try to call it his I, hot take of the year, but it's only one of many. I think that's doable. I think that's doable. Seven against Colorado or by Colorado? <laughs> no, it was by Michigan, but I was just stretching it. <laughs> okay. Seven against yeah. Colorado. <laughs> Because yeah, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking. We got Louisiana Tech, Northern Illinois, and Colorado, and I'm thinking he can score two touchdowns in each game because he's the clear number one, as Matt Rule has said. So mm-hmm. if he has one touchdown against Minnesota or three against Louisiana Tech, that's where you're getting the seven from. Is it going to happen? Yeah. He should be close to seven. If he's not at seven, he should be at least at five. I would think. You see no, how no, no, see how he keeps backpedaling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He could be a nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> yeah. He will as quick as it was thrown out there. He's moving it back. <laughs> That's the Tim I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you got to just take your shots, and eventually they land. And Paul, I just want to point out to you: last season, Bisol and Jaysol both said I was crazy with this hot take, and it landed. I told them both that Purdue and who was the second team? Was it Minnesota? I think I said it's Purdue tough to and Minnesota. Hot take when you give so many. Purdue and Minnesota were going to have a better record than Oklahoma at the end of the season. They both said I was crazy. Oklahoma ends the season six and seven. Purdue and Minnesota both better than him. It was actually Purdue now and I take Illinois. My and Illinois, not even. Well, Illinois was still better than him too. Okay, but this is why I don't know why. Why? I understand the, but why? Because Jason probably said something stupid to get me going. So then I just had to prove my point against him. <laughs> like I, like I said, he hits one in a blue moon, and all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. I, I believe what what brought that up was T. Cell said that the Purdue game was going to be a harder game for Nebraska than the uh, Oklahoma game. And even though Purdue finished with a better record, the Oklahoma game was worse for the Huskers. No doubt. No doubt. That was uh, a tough one. My uh, my friend's buddy was the punter for Oklahoma. So, you know, I was watching that game and it was, it was pretty, uh, <laughs> yeah, that interception just, that was like a dagger. That was pretty yeah. rough. Like one so, armed. Sorry. Not that I remember the entire game, but did you uh did you get to see your friend's buddy at all? Because I think he was uh on the sideline most of the game. Yeah, yeah. He uh he didn't uh he, well he was also the holder, I think. So he got okay, so <laughs> he was out there quite a bit then. Well, let's just uh, let's go in from uh, after a win against Colorado. How do you see the team doing uh, the next two weeks against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech? Uh, I'm just going to combine them because I think it's really going to be the same kind of game, both games, where it's going to be getting a lot of uh, young guys into the game. They're going to try and really hammer in that identity of what they want to be as a team. Um, So, you know, those games, they're going to, what you'll see is you'll see a high number of players in participation. You'll see a lot of different guys rotating. You'll see a lot of guys in situations that they may not have been in, especially Minnesota and Colorado. Um, you'll see a lot more of the young guys. Um, you'll 
see some more guys getting opportunity, especially going into Michigan. Because you're speaking from like what you would want on special teams, at least, is you kind of know which guys you might be able to rely on, but you want to actually see them go out and do stuff on the field in a game and uh, before you would trust them. And that's something that you would definitely want to do before you go and play a team like Michigan. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. And especially one of the best things about some of these changes that college football has made is allowing kids to participate in three games and still be able to redshirt. And so this these games are perfect opportunities that maybe you give a couple of young guys, you know, one opportunity against Northern Illinois, and then he doesn't play against Louisiana Tech in case you need him later in the season. But it lets you see how they play in those, uh, getting those game reps and really let them adjust to the college football speed. Absolutely. Game Absolutely. speed is definitely different than the practice. And I do also want to add that it almost gives them an opportunity to say you only play one to one to three games, but you get hurt in that. You could still red shirt, even if you've already used your medical and it gives you an extra year, because I mean, something fluky can happen in the game you're filling in from somebody. And all of a sudden back in the past, you know, you would have just wasted a year for possibly one or two plays if you already used your medical red shirt. Yeah, and these these two type of games were the games that Paul's old head coach, Bo Pelini, was a mastermind with. He just knew to come in, take care of business, run the football, run the football, run the football. By the fourth quarter, they're dead, and you destroy them. You get off the field. It's really simple. You don't overthink those games. So I, I got to disagree with you a little bit there, T-Saw. <laughs> we, uh, we had that famous McNeese game. <laughs> 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 it came down to the wire, and uh, Amir Abdullah had to pull a rabbit out of a hat on that last <laughs> play. To uh, one of the greatest plays I think I've ever seen to uh, get us the victory in that game. Well, Paul, it's, it was simple. He was looking for Amir Abdullah's Heisman moment because that's what he was pushing at that moment. <laughs> yeah, and he earned it. <laughs> yeah, earned that moment. But I can't remember. Were you were you on the team when Westerkamp had the um, the hail mary Bye. touchdown in the end zone? Not the hail mary touchdown. I was actually there for the FAU behind the back. Behind the back. Yes, that's right. Okay, behind the back. Uh, yeah. I was there for that, and uh, that was kind of a crazy story because I was there at that game, but I actually missed the play because I wasn't technically on the team yet. So this is a like a crazy story. How do, do you remember this, Diesel? Uh, you know, faintly. I do remember that you did have to wait a couple of games before you could so, play. So I actually, there was a, a thing. Um, Coach Golden at Miami wasn't allowing me to transfer. And uh, not really him, but more so the uh, Miami Athletic Department. And before um, the week, maybe the day or so before the game, I can't remember the exact timeline right now, but I went and talked to Coach Golden and Nebraska had offered me, I was able to go, they were ready to take me, but Miami was preventing me from transferring. So I actually talked to Coach Golden, he allowed me to transfer. And so as soon as I could, I was on a plane to Lincoln and I actually traveled up on the Saturday 
against when we were playing FAU and drove from Omaha. They picked me up in Omaha and we went to Lincoln and I arrived at the stadium, like as kickoff was happening, I had to go back. Um, we were back in the stadium somewhere. I had to go and do an assignment and we heard, we heard a big roar in the stadium and we're all sitting in this little room, like where I have to literally complete an assignment, which is like, what's your name and where are you from? <laughs> in the middle of the game before I could go out to the stadium and actually join the team. So I actually joined the Huskers in the middle of a, a game. <laughs> technically. And it was that FAU game with the That's behind right. back catch. He also got a circus catch the next week. Uh, it was like a yard out of bounds. I can't remember who we were playing. But he made this incredible catch on the sideline. He was just barely out of bounds. He was he's one of the best receivers I've ever seen. Yeah. He had he had like magic hands. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm sorry, that was it was just a crazy <laughs> tangent. But yeah, that's uh Westy. No, we all love riding down memory lane with you. We all remember him. He was he was very good for the Huskers and he was fun to watch, and you know, I if there's going to be a Wester camp this season, it's probably going to be Billy Kemp. That would be the obvious pick for me. Yep. I mean, he was productive at UVA. Hopefully, he can be productive immediately for the Huskers. Yeah the the Huskers have had good luck the last two years. Some the person transfers in for their final year. Trey Palmer last year, and uh, Samari Tori the year before. Yeah. And Trey Palmer's making waves. He's he's probably going to start week one for Tampa Bay as it's looking that way. You know, I really wouldn't be surprised if he does start week one. Don't forget that he was a Mickey Joseph guy, and Mickey Joseph is also the guy that had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Don't sleep on him as a recruiter and knowing talent when he sees it. I know it's tough that he's not with the program anymore because I do think that our wide receiver game would have been getting a lot better down to the core. Yeah, Jason, I do think Mickey Joseph was a heck of a receiver, recruiter, and coach. However, I don't think you can stick your nose up at the group of guys we got this year either. I think we've got a decent receiver room there. And especially if some of these young guys and transfers can step up, this Husker team could be dangerous on the outside. Yeah, but you saw, and the name that we're all waiting to hear his name called in the lineup somewhere is Malachi Coleman. I mean, you're talking about a steal of a recruit out of Omaha. This guy's going to, he's going to be a monster. He's an athlete. We want to see what he does out there on the football field. Absolutely. He's a big body coming in as a freshman, but I do want to say nobody on the team right now is going to have the production that Trey Palmer did last season or the impact to the team. I don't think you're going to see anybody argue with that because Trey Palmer put up the best wide receiver season ever as a Husker. It's so. rare to see people argue with me anyways, because I'm always right there. T so. Jason just keeps drinking his own Kool-Aid. 
You're probably not wrong, but let me tell you something. I always know the Huskers. Listen, Trey Palmer was a stud. If he was on this team or had Jeff Sims as a quarterback, he would have put up better stats. But I do want to say that Jeff Sims has to be the playmaker. I think he's going to be for the Huskers to do some damage this year. Yeah, I, I'm i with you there. Jeff Sims has the makings to be a great quarterback, and but also so did the last two guys, and they were great until they weren't. So we just got to see a guy who's consistent out there, who doesn't make you know bonehead decisions when there's two minutes left in the game. Now, T-Sol, when you're talking about the last two guys we saw out there, are you referring to... Logan Smothers and Chubba Purdy, <laughs> or are you talking uh, Casey Thompson and Adrian Martinez? I'd just like to clarify for all the listeners. Well, B-Sol, if I was talking about Logan Smothers and Purdy, then I wouldn't be talking about bonehead plays with the last two minutes. I'd be talking about bonehead plays the entire game. I was talking about Casey Thompson and Adrian Martinez. Just wanted to clarify because I believe the last two that we saw were Purdy and Smothers, but... I, I do understand what you're saying, and I agree. I think Jeff Sims is definitely going to be an upgrade as long as he can be consistent and follow the coaching staff and allow them to make adjustments at halftime. And you're probably going to need some good halftime adjustments with Michigan coming to town. And, Paul, we got to ask you, what do you see happening in that football game? Yeah, so this one worries me. So I think the Huskers' biggest advantage is that Michigan may not respect them as an opponent, and that's never something you want to say, but it's something that can always be there. Um, I So really I see this game going one of two ways. It's either a big loss or a close win for the Huskers. So, and I think it's really – I think Nebraska, I think the Huskers are going to show up to play. I don't – know if Michigan will or won't and that's really what I think it's going to come down to if Michigan comes and they're firing on all cylinders it's going to be a rough day for the Huskers I guess would you see a different outcome if say the Huskers are three and one going into the game or four and oh going into the game I definitely think if the Huskers are four and oh going into that game I definitely think they got a shot because I think that'll show that they know what their identity is, how they're going to play, and they're capitalizing on it. And I think that can give Michigan trouble. Because if you don't know what you're doing, which, as we talked about earlier, that game against Colorado, if things aren't going right, and you start just trying different things, and you don't know what's going to stick and what won't and what will, um, really, you're not going to get anywhere progressing as a team you're not going to get further into your playbook you're not going to figure out what guys can and what things guys can and can't do um and you really you're going to set yourself up for struggle so if nebraska's in a spot where we're four and oh going into michigan i definitely think we have a chance definitely agree with you there because at that point you would have took out Two teams where, you know, they're not, I mean, Colorado kind of is, but they do have some talent on their team, but they're not complete bottom feeders. So, like, and plus they're two road games. So, Nebraska, as you said, would have an identity at that point. And 
I think Michigan would be in trouble going in if Nebraska's four and up. Nebraska's two and two going into that game. I think the Huskers are the ones that are in trouble. And if the three and one, it's kind of show me what what's going to happen. Definitely. Do we know what Michigan's schedule is looking like going into that game? They will be four playing and a bunch of patty cakes going into yeah. that game. Uh, <laughs> patty cakes. Okay. Oh my gosh. They, the toughest game is Rutgers. <laughs> the toughest game is Rutgers. Well, don't worry. Jim Harbaugh is not playing the first three games. They said oh, it. they're wow. implementing a suspension. Only because it's not going to affect the rest of the season. How fast do you think that suspension would end if they lost to Rutgers? <laughs> well, he's going to be back for Rutgers. They said three games. Rutgers is game number four. Oh. Sorry to fact check you there, Jason. Hey, it's a first for everything there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so, Michigan. Hey. So this is encouraging to me because this could really put Michigan to sleep going into this game where they're they think they're rolling, they're four and oh, everything's you know, they're well oiled. They think they're well oiled, they think you're they're greased up, they're ready to go. Um, you know, they're 4-0 and going into Nebraska. They may just – they're actually playing Minnesota after. So if they're looking ahead to Minnesota, they may not take the Huskers seriously, and you know, that could open up some windows for the Huskers. Yeah, and I definitely do see that happening because you figure playing East Carolina, they're going to win probably by 40 points. UNLV, 40 points. Bowling Green, 40 points, and Rutgers, 40 points. And may I also mention, all these are home games. So not only is Nebraska the first, like, true Big Ten opponent that they're going to play, but it's also on the road. So there's also that factor that goes in there as well. That was a little blatant disrespect to Rutgers there, T-Saw, saying that oh, Nebraska oh, no, is no, no, the no. Uh, first uh, Big Ten <laughs> opponent that Michigan's facing. Rutgers, Rutgers may not be competitive, but they're still they're they're in the conference. They've got the little stamp of approval there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say we might have to throw our jerseys out if we ever lost a football game to Rutgers. Yeah, that hits a little close to home after that uh, narrow victory last year. By a four-win team. And see, Bezo, that's what we're talking about. If a four-win squad can beat Rutgers, anybody can beat Rutgers. If a four-win squad could come in and beat Iowa, then why are people picking Iowa to win the West? That's just, that's head-scratching to me. Because to me, Iowa's already eliminated. You guys lost to Nebraska last year? You ain't going anywhere. Because unless your defense is going to be one of the best in the nation again, which is doubtful, they'll probably be a good defense, but they're not going to be the best in the Big Ten. And is their offense going to get any better? Unlikely. So I don't. I just don't get where people are coming with their Iowa pick. It's it's everybody loving on uh, Cade McNamara transferring in that they think he's going to give them a whole new dynamic. Do I see it? Not really. But you know, there's enough of the country who seems to think that anything Jim Harbaugh touched at one point turns to gold. So. Well, how dynamic do you have to be to be better than what Iowa had last year? 
Exactly. I mean, not much. I, I assume McNamara is going to give them a little bit more on offense, but there's a reason he got passed by J.J. McCarthy after it being his his position and his job. Well, true. I think he could still call an audible or two. <laughs> he might be able to read his secondary and decide maybe we should run it here. He's not throwing picks, which would be an improvement. Yes, that's true. <laughs> But let's just remember that Cade McNamara is the same guy who put up zero points for Michigan in their playoff game and did not look anything spectacular at all when he actually had to play a good opponent and when the game actually relied on him because the rest of the games was probably Blake Corum this, Blake Corum that. So... Coming out of a uh, what seems to be probably a Michigan loss there, Paul, how do you see the Huskers uh, against the two uh, Illinois teams going on the road to uh, Champaign and then having Northwestern come to town? So I think at Illinois is a close win. Um, you know, Illinois being kind of a like, – I think of them as a thorn in Nebraska's side where it's like – they, they're the team that'll show up and just, like, they rub it in. You know, if you go and lose to Wisconsin, it's like, it's disappointing, but it's not um, unheard of, right? It's not like, I mean, yeah. it's not Illinois beating you. It's, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, Illinois, I think that's a close win. I think Illinois is a team that always gets up to play the Huskers because they view them as a team that they can beat. And that's why, you know, they give them trouble. And I think that that game, I think Illinois gives Nebraska trouble, but I don't think it's enough to win. So I think Nebraska wins that game. Do you think playing on a Friday night is going to have any difference to the outcome or I mean, how do you see that rolling? I mean, it should be a chilly Friday night. I mean, it's early October in Illinois, in Champaign. Do you think being on a Friday night is going to change or affect the game? You know, a quick turnaround after the Michigan game. So um, I don't think so. I think that part, if anything, if so now we're playing conditionals here, right? <laughs> if, if Nebraska loses right. to Michigan – you immediately have to get over that and immediately start prepping for your next game. So, you know, that kind of time to lull and be in your emotions is gone. So it's just immediately boom, right to the next, right to prepping for Illinois. But um, what if it's in, the opposite then? What if they go in upset Michigan and then have to get hurry or ready in a hurry to play at Illinois on Friday? So as far as who's prepping, you know, the Nebraska has a huge staff. So as far as Illinois being prepped, as far as game plan and things, I think Nebraska will be fine. Um, players getting ready, that could be a little tougher, but it's only one day. So if they're, if you're not feeling well on the Friday, you're not going to be feeling well on the Saturday. So I don't think that will be the biggest issue. Although what week is the bye week? Because that hasn't hit yet, right? It's, it's right, uh, after right after Illinois. Illinois. So right after yeah. Illinois. You play on Friday and then you get an extra day in your bye week. Okay. And oh. that'll be huge when we yeah. got the 
juggernaut Northwestern coming into town. Yeah. So like North what's going on with Northwest with Northwestern has been crazy. You know, that's another team that I think people will the same way you might with Maryland or Illinois, like teams that see them on the schedule are going to be like, Oh, easy win. But I'm not convinced. I, it's for no reason. I think that they'll surprise teams for, because so, they're yeah. not supposed to be good. They'll, and that's how Northwestern's always been. They could go and knock off a ranked team. Um, in with how much Pat Fitzgerald has influenced that team and how he's coached, I don't think that like disappears just because he's gone. So I don't know what to think with Northwestern because they're just, they're volatile. They could be great one week, terrible the next. They knock off a ranked team, then they lose to, you know. I don't Rockers. know what to think with Northwest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I do think this is a big win for Nebraska. I, But that's me taking the cheese. So. Yeah. Well, let's also remind you that that Northwestern game is the 100 year anniversary of Memorial Stadium. So there's, it's going to be a, a reason game. they scheduled that with uh, Northwestern on the <laughs> on the docket that day. Because um, we weren't playing Rutgers this year. <laughs> that's and and here's the thing. I I definitely agree. I think Northwestern's a team that will probably surprise a handful of teams this year and play them tough. I just don't know that they have enough enough depth this year um and especially it's going to depend if they come out and they lose three to start the year how many of those guys who have a couple years of eligibility left who are like you know i'm going to stick it out these are my brothers you lose three the coach you committed to isn't there anymore and you're kind of like okay i'm i'm done i'm going to enter the transfer portal here and save a year of eligibility that i think by the time they come around on our schedule they they could have self-destructed by then Absolutely. I mean, it's later in the year. Being later in the year, I do believe that, you know, at the beginning of the season, the team could bond together. I mean, it's less than a month before the season starts when all of this shook down with Pat Fitzgerald. However, I do think that, you know, that's your team's either going to come together or separate enormously. And you know what? You'll be able to tell at the beginning of the season, but as the season goes on, you're going to be playing tougher and tougher competition. At a certain point, I feel like that team in Northwestern is just going to be broken. Yeah, but I do want to point out a little farther onto Paul's uh, thing that he was talking about where he thinks Northwestern is going to be a surprise team. I got to ask him the question then. Paul, do you want to jump on my ship, on my bandwagon, for the surprise upset of my hot take of the year where Northwestern is going to top and beat Minnesota this season and cost P.J. Fleck his job? again with the conditionals and cost PJ Fleck his job. I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but what week do they play? Week uh, four, they play at Northwestern. Yeah. So he... I mean, I, I think they can definitely pull that off. I don't think that's a crazy upset. I think that's definitely possible. But so do here's you think my... they're going to fire PJ Flecking boot him faster <laughs> in a season? <laughs> I think they would wait. 
unless he's zero and five going or four going into that game, that's the only way I can see that happening. No, what I if think he's he... after that game? He's one and three. One and three. I, I still think he's safe. Well, but who then are the, who are the others? Like, is so it like here? Here's Minnesota the here would State? be the losses. Here would be the losses. They would lose week one against Nebraska. They would beat Eastern Michigan because I'm not going to pick that as an L. Then they would lose at North Carolina and then lose at Northwestern. And what if it ends up being Northwestern's only win on the season? Then, Jay Sawyer, you're sticking with your Minnesota coach because things don't get easier from there. They still have to play at Iowa. They still have to play Michigan at home. Michigan State at home. They go to Ohio State this year. They got Wisconsin at home. It's a tough schedule. That it's got to be... be the toughest in the Big Ten. Would that be Northwestern's only win so far throughout the season or through the entire season that would be their only win? Because then that would be different, and they wouldn't be firing him right after the Northwestern game. Okay. If they fire him, if they hold off until the end of the year and they fire him, I'm still taking credit for that because we I, all know I, they're going to point back to that Northwestern game. I believe your hot take was he's not going to make it through the season. Okay, so fire him right before Wisconsin. I'm taking credit for it. I'll I'll give you that. That's not through the season. I am not because... giving him that because that was not <laughs> only part of it. It was his part was that he was going to get fired right after the game, faster than Scott Frost got let go after the Georgia Southern game. But I do want to let you know, T. So they will not be going into that game. O and three. They play. They'll Rutgers. be one and three. They play. Rutgers and UTEP, and I believe they should be two and O to start the year. But then you play Duke. We ran through this with Big Game James, and I think those are two out of their four wins the entire season. But Jay, so what I'm saying is, if Northwestern loses those games, so say Northwestern loses to UTEP and they lose to Rutgers, but then they come in and beat Minnesota, you really think Minnesota fans are going to be happy with that? I never I said think... that I thought they were going to be happy. <laughs> I just said he's not going to be let go. Tisol, I think Minnesota fans will be happy because it's just uh, one more day closer to hockey season. It could be. But I'm telling you right now, looking at Minnesota's schedule, I think they will be lucky to get six wins because, they, yeah. I mean, they got a tough schedule. They they even scheduled North Carolina thinking it was going to be an easy game and Lo and behold, North Carolina's ranked 21, and they're on the road. Now, I don't know why you're just diving in to this Minnesota <laughs> team so quick and telling because, me Because, Jason, you picked them as your Big Big Ten West champs, and you're going to have to ride down that ship with them. Listen, last year they almost knocked off Ohio State, I believe it was, to start the year. That was like they three have, years ago. They have the opportunity <laughs> to do something crazy. If they beat Michigan or Ohio state this entire season, they knock off one of them as an upset. Who else is going to beat them? Anybody who got them earlier in this. Season. I have them starting. <laughs> I have them starting week one with the win week two, obviously with the win week three, it's UNC. This isn't basketball. As you would say there, T saw about Kansas. This isn't basketball. <laughs> you would say it about Duke. It's not basketball. Listen, it's still not basketball. So I could have them three and zero to start the year. And I do not have them losing to Northwestern. That's four and zero to start the year. So you I have mean, them losing to the the raging Cajuns then? No, nope. because I mean that's not Rage a gimme game Cajuns. either. Those guys go bowling every season. 
and Minnesota hasn't been going bowling. The only team really on this schedule that hasn't gone bowling in the last six years is Nebraska. <laughs> well, now you're just poking bruises, Jay. So, yeah, well, I'm poking bruises because you keep coming at my team. How about we go flip over to that <laughs> Illinois schedule and see how that's going for them? Jay, so Illinois doesn't have nearly the tough schedule that Minnesota has. It doesn't I mean, matter because Minnesota is the better team. Would you rather play Ohio State or Penn State? If it makes me better, Ohio State. And if you're uh, Illinois, does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> that may be a fair point, but they don't play Ohio State or Michigan. They get Penn State, they get Maryland, and they get Indiana. And that's a way believe- easier... Why were you bringing up that Penn State was going to be a tougher game for him than Maryland? I do believe you said Maryland would be top three on the East. And at the end of the season, there would be three teams on the East that are in the top 10. Now, I'm not convinced Illinois is good enough to beat either one of those teams. But I'm just saying that both of those two teams are not Michigan and not Ohio State. Now, Tiesel, you you seem to think that if Northwestern beats minnesota pj fleck gets fired if northwestern turns around and beats illinois at the end of the season which i don't think is out of the realm of possibility does brett bielema get fired at the end of the season because <laughs> that is only win on the year uh if maybe that's the only northwestern win maybe they save it till the last game of the season they surprise people go out on a high note i just don't if that seeing... costs him, if that costs him a bowl game, and he loses to Northwestern, you miss a bowl game, you lose to Northwestern. Do you pull the plug? I think I... he would be more on the hot seat than PJ Fleck. There, if that costs them a bowl game, and you lose to an already winless team. Yeah, but JSL Illinois is not used to playing in bowls every season, so for them, it's just like another odd year. I look at that as. Then next season, they open up and put him on the hot seat. If, if you don't make a bowl game, you're gone. As for P.J. Flex, been there for like six years. This guy shouldn't be dropping games to Nebraska, who hasn't made a bowl game in six years. He shouldn't be dropping games to a one-win Northwestern squad. You know, If he drops to Eastern Michigan, that's even worse. What if... Illinois does lose to Kansas. Do you see this changing the outcome? I don't know. Lance Leopold's got a (laughs) a heck of a program down there in Lawrence. I know he was your pride and joy and the one you wanted to come coach the Huskers. I I thought he would have been a good hire there. I think Matt Rule was a slam dunk hire, though. Jason, I just feel like Brett Bielema did enough last season to save his job until next year. That's what I feel like. He did, an, he did enough good last year to save it for next year. So P.J. Fleck going bowling consistently isn't enough to secure his job. Joe, or Jay Saul, based on the last couple of teams that they had at Minnesota and the couple of West foes that they were playing, and they never came out of the West, to me, he hasn't done anything in Minnesota. How many times has Illinois came out of the West? I mean, Brett Bielema, this is only his third season coming in. And Illinois was a doormat. Minnesota was just always a decent team. When was the last time Minnesota won the Big Ten? 
That's a solid question there. And you're going to be poking bruises for Jason. <laughs> well, Take we don't need to know that answer. They're going to be having to update that answer. Winning the Big Ten West or winning the Big Ten in general? Is it I in mean, like the no. 1950s? Is it the same number or is it the same year? <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't even think they've, won they've the been to. I don't think they've been to a Big Ten championship game since the conference expanded. No, they never played in one. And what was the last time Illinois went there, T? So, I mean, you're trying to scoot on by. <laughs> don't forget you picked Illinois. Well, Jason, I remember Illinois was in a Rose Bowl more recently than Minnesota. Now, and how did that turn out for them? Not good. They were playing USC and got smoked. Now, I do have to say that you guys both uh, have such little faith in our Huskers that with me picking them out of the Big Ten West here to go represent the t- the Big Ten West in the championship game. Nebraska, out of the three teams, has been in a Big Ten uh, conference championship game more recently. Yes, so the reason but... why, the reason why we're not fighting you is because on paper, Nebraska has way more talent than Illinois and Minnesota combined. You could combine those two football teams. Nebraska has more talent on paper. They were just poorly coached and clearly weren't being, uh, you know, put to work enough in the weight room or in the off season. So it sounds like you believe they should be representing the Big Ten West. You just decided to pick Illinois. Because, B-Sol, as much as I keep picking the Huskers to win, they keep proving me wrong. So I'm trying to be realistic here. That's all. Absolutely can't agree with that any more than you already said it there, T. So I am done being one of the delusional ones. I have came to reality there, B. So, and I have picked the Huskers to go, you know, phenomenal the past two seasons. I do want to tell you, I did pick the best three and nine team in college football history. I mean, I picked that team to do numbers to go throughout undefeated. the season. You picked them to go on the No, I picked them to go <laughs> 10 into their T-Soul, and I do believe out of their nine losses, eight of them were by one score. So in my eyes, we were one play away every single game. So that therefore, I was always in the right. You, however, B-Soul, are picking this team to go undefeated, make the college football playoff, win the Big Ten West, win the Big Ten. <laughs> this is a hot take on its own, and you are picking this with a new head coach, a new quarterback, and new faces all around the team. Well, Jason, it is a different team. And let me tell you, that is because this Huskers team needed to be revamped, especially after a handful of years under Scott Frost that just didn't pan out. And before that, the couple of years under Mike Riley. Matt Rule is going to have this team clicking on all cylinders, and I think winning the West is a very realistic possibility. But let's continue down the trend here. Paul, how do you see that next game with Purdue coming to town after a big win again for the Huskers against Northwestern? So I think this one could be a trap game for the Huskers, and I think it could end up in a close loss. 
So I, my guess would be it would probably be an 11 o'clock kickoff. It won't be a very hyped up game. The energy might be low in preparation. And this one seems like a trap for the Huskers. I could definitely see that. I think Purdue is going to have a lot of growing pains this year, especially losing Aiden O'Connell, who had been in school for a handful of years, uh, brand new coaching staff, losing uh, Jeff Brom and Brian Brom, uh, really having a whole new offensive identity. I think Purdue could be in for some growing pains. However, like you said, if the Huskers are theoretically coming off of a win against Illinois, a win against Northwestern, and especially that Northwestern game being such a big anniversary and the 100-year anniversary at Memorial Stadium. Purdue comes to town the next week, and let's say they're on a losing streak. Nebraska very well could be looking past them for that road trip down to East Lansing next week. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with that one that they're going to be losing to Purdue. I also find it very odd that Beasel is joining it, seeing as which Beasel has the Huskers, you know, going undefeated for the entire season and making the playoff. I do not have them going undefeated, Jason. And I believe we can we'll go be... to the tape. You have them going undefeated, but I do want to note that Purdue did lose Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones, who were their two biggest playmakers they had all last season. Well, Jason, you're just ignoring Devin Maccabee altogether then because that guy, as much as I love to hate the guy, he's a good running back and he fits Purdue very well. And ultimately, they're going to rely 100% on that guy this season. Is he a starting running back on any other Big Ten team? Probably. Okay. Name what team he'd be starting on. Ohio State? Rutgers. Illinois? Rutgers. <laughs> he's definitely starting on Rutgers. We'll start there. Indiana, uh, I think I think he starts there. I disagree you know? with you. Northwestern, hundred percent. Disagree with you. How do you disagree? <laughs> I just do. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with you. I don't think he's that good of a running back. He looks like a linebacker out there, and nobody seems to be able to tackle the guy. So, like, I agree, he doesn't. Look nobody like or a the Huskers defensive. Nobody Everybody. or the Huskers defensive recent. Everybody. But what I'm telling you is he doesn't look like a superstar athlete like Blake Corum, but nobody can tackle the dude. So he's a pretty good running back. Are you foreshadowing a Heisman right now? Nobody can tackle him. No. Nobody in the West, at least. Now, how many touchdowns do you think uh, Devin (laughs) Mockaby ends the season with their T-cell? All right, let's look at their schedule real quick. They're playing Fresno. That's two touchdowns. Virginia Tech's another two. Syracuse, we'll give them one. End of the season, I say he's in the 12 to 14 touchdown range. We don't go with low numbers here. We are taking and locking in the 14 touchdowns, and we are going to see if he has it at the Who do you think has more touchdowns this season, Tesol? Who's it between? Your guy at Purdue. Maccabee. And Gabe Irving. I think it's going to be Maccabee because I think that team has nothing else going for it. And so they're just giving him the football every play. So by week four, would you consider that Maccabee would have 
seven or more touchdowns by Not week necessarily. Four. It's a whole it's a whole season thing. Now, so I find it. Four, I find it. Gabe crazy. Irvin would have more touchdowns. So Gabe Irvin Jr. is going to have seven touchdowns by Michigan, and then just drop off the face of the earth. Well, that's kind of what happened with Anthony Grant last season with the Huskers, if you can remember their B-Saw. And as the games get tougher, Nebraska's going to have to figure out how to win in different ways because when you start playing better teams, they're going to take out your best guy and say, beat me a different way. And unless you have a Trey Palmer out there, which we don't, you know, you're going to have to figure something else out. So you don't think Purdue is going to be changing their game plan the entire season? They're just going to be dishing it to Maccabee. Because nobody could tackle that guy. So therefore, he is a dark horse for the Heisman, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> 14 I'm touchdowns that. on the year. Jason, you have Jeff Sims in there as a dark horse for Heisman. So yes, uh, you're, you're up there on right. your high horse. If he turns around this team like Bissell is predicting to go undefeated <laughs> and make the college football playoff, there is no way that you are leaving out Jeff Sims. Now, JSL, nobody's got them going undefeated, so you can stop. All right, 10-2 and two undefeated. What is the difference? The Huskers are back. Yes, they are. And don't forget, B. Schneid picked them to go 11-1. and one. There's plenty <laughs> of roulade to go around here. Now, yeah. Paul, the million-dollar question. You've got the Huskers right now sitting at 5-3, and three, coming off a loss to Purdue. Do you see them getting bowl eligible in East Lansing next week? Yes, I have them in a close win over Michigan State. Love that pick. 100% agree with that. Nebraska always seems to show up against Michigan State, and history favors the Huskers in these games. And they beat us last year, the year before, whatever it was. So we're due. Sounds like we're going to be doing a lot of games. (laughs) You're not wrong there, Jason, but... Paul, what do you see with then Maryland coming to town with um, the best quarterback in the Big Ten? To who? And <laughs> <Ed, laughs> Paul just asked the question everybody's been asking. I am still not sure how Tsol sees this Maryland team finishing at least third in the Big Ten East and claiming that Tua's younger brother is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I still am flabbergasted by that. So I did know that he was there. And Maryland's kind of having like this regrouping of Alabama thing going on with the coaches. I think they have like three, four, five or something of the old coaches. I think Dan Enos is there. I'm not sure. Um, I think, yeah, wasn't Miami's old OC – or I'm thinking wrong. I'm totally, I think I'm totally wrong on that, but I think there's like four or five of them that all went back there. Including to his younger brother, Tulia. And the guy's been putting up numbers there in Maryland. And I think this is going to be his show me year. And I think Joe or Jason, I think he is the true pick as a dark horse for high. Are you locking this in as a hot take? I'm locking it in. Because Maryland's going to pass up Penn State this season, finish below Michigan and Ohio State. And at that point, as Jay Saul's thing is, how are you going to leave them off the Heisman belt at that point? 
No, it would be different because in my scenario, Jeff Sims would have won the Big Ten West beat in the Big Ten championship. Which has meant oppor- nothing. The Big Ten West hasn't done anything. So until the Big Ten West can beat but the it Big would Ten mean East something. head-to-head, it doesn't mean anything. This is a team that just won three games followed by four games. I mean, this would mean something to have the Huskers back in a flip of the switch. This guy was coming from a power five school in Georgia Tech, who is not that great either. I mean, if he comes up here and just flips the switch under Matt Rule, there is no way that you can leave him out of the Heisman voting. Jason, what do you think about Alabama? Do you consider them to be a pretty good football team? I would consider them to be one of the greats. And do you ever compare Georgia Tech to Alabama? Exactly. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly my point. Listen, I am not expecting nobody. Sorry, I am expecting. Nobody is expecting him to come from Georgia Tech and all of a sudden flip the switch on the Huskers. But if he does so and, you know, he's got over – 25 touchdowns through the air or on the ground. There is no way that he is not in New York. Well, we all hope you're right with that pick, but Paul still hasn't gave his official take on that game yet. Oh, I, I think, think it is big win, Maryland. big win, Maryland, or big win against Maryland. To be clear <laughs> against Maryland Oscars win. And that's exactly what most of us think are going to happen. Especially yes. with uh, the Huskers starting that uh, Nebraska-Georgia transfer portal as well. So even if uh, Maryland's robbing Alabama, Nebraska's been robbing Georgia some of their backups as well. Well, let, B, so let me just remind you, too, Maryland's crossover games are Nebraska, Northwestern, and Illinois. So even if they drop that game against Nebraska – it's really not going to cost them anything in terms of passing Penn that, State in the that would now hold at, that would put them at four Big Ten losses there, T. So now hold up, hold the thought another thing. I do want Ohio you to say State, that you would be Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska. Who said they're losing to Penn State? I did. You can lock that one <laughs> I, in right here. I do also want to <laughs> note that Tesol has Illinois winning the West. So if all of a sudden Illinois is going to lose to Maryland, but the Huskers beat Maryland, do you see, you know, a different outcome of who's going to come out of the West? Let's say in Minnesota, maybe. Oh, that's another, that's a good point there. Jay. <laughs> Nobody's so picking Minnesota. Not even five, Minnesota fans are picking Minnesota. So you have a five loss Maryland team finishing third in the big 10 East. <laughs> Where do you get that from? Well, you got, you got Illinois beating them. Now we got Nebraska. Maybe. Maybe. And then Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. I believe I picked that game as an L for Nebraska, just so you know. And Illinois doesn't need to beat Maryland to win the West. You only got to win, you know, seven or eight games, you probably win the West. Well, do you believe that they are going to go eight and one in the Big Ten? Who? Maryland? Illinois. Illinois. No. I don't think anyone think in the West go is seven going 8-1. Do you think they're going to go 7-2 and two in the Big Ten? 7-2? and two? Unlikely. Well, I do want to note that you just stated that if you go 8-1 and one or 7-2, and two, that is how you win the West. And 
You just said that your team, your team you have picked to win the West is not going to do that. Jason, I said seven or eight wins total. Wasn't saying Big Ten wins. Well, I think that's enough talk about this uh, Illinois football team because I'm kind of burned out talking about them. One other, uh, one other thing real here, quick. Seven or eight wins. So that means they could have four wins. They came for the Big Ten, and you think they're going to win the Big Ten West? Jay, so I could honestly see the Big Ten West being like one of those weird seasons where you get down towards the end of the year and everyone's within a game of each other, except for one or so, two teams. So you never answered my question. Four wins in the Big Ten West in the Big Ten can get you in the championship. Four Big, Big Ten. Ten wins. No. Well, that's what you just said. If they are going to have seven wins the entire season, three of them could come from out-of-conference games. Well, the Big Ten usually doesn't play that well out-of-conference. So it's more likely (laughs) Illinois would lose to Kansas and Toledo and then do what Northwestern did that one season and win more Big Ten games than they lose and represent the West with a bad record. Can't disagree with that, but I would like to say that they would not be my pick to do so. It would be Minnesota. Who's not going to have a head coach by the time they play Wisconsin. And talking about Wisconsin, Paul, what do you have going on in that game? I have at Wisconsin a close win in the cold, horrid weather of Wisconsin. Love that pick because that is the team that we cannot beat and ultimately, that is the team that we must beat. And then to cap off the season at home against Iowa, what do you foresee in that game? I think it's another close one. And is that one of the uh, day after Thanksgiving games again? Yep. Yep. Traditionally is, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a win for the Huskers as well. Yep. Cannot disagree more. Only one person on this panel picked that as an L, and that's Jay Saul because he's just living up there in his little delusional world. Rowan Did you just say, boat. I believe you said cannot disagree more. So you would actually be <laughs> on my side there, T Saul. <laughs> Either now, way, you do what I meant and just keep rowing your boat to sleep up there. Now, here, here is the million dollar question here because. I, I got two points that I would love to bring up here. Um, Paul, you got the Huskers finishing at nine and three. Now, the next question I'm going to ask you is, what do you see the Big Ten championship game being? But before I get that answer, <laughs> I believe T-Sol just mentioned, and I'm going to take it back a few minutes here. He said that a team with seven or eight wins would represent the Big Ten West. Just just hear me out. And he picked Illinois to do that. However, as of last week, he had updated the first game with Nebraska beating Minnesota to take his overall record for the season to 9-3. and three. And so now I'm even more curious, Tiesel, on how Illinois will be representing the Big Ten West when Nebraska finishes with nine wins and three losses and you're picking Illinois with eight wins, seven wins? 
because we saw at that point, it's all about tiebreakers. And if you recall, I picked Illinois as a loss for the Cornhuskers. What kind of tiebreakers are you factoring in here if Nebraska's got two more wins than them? Where are you getting two more wins from? You said a seven or eight win team. And if Nebraska's sitting there with nine wins. Well, so it would come down to big 10 wins. So maybe that is how is he factoring Nebraska would have dropped three big 10 games. Michigan, in my picks, Michigan, Maryland, and Illinois. Correct. And in my picks with Illinois, they would have lost Toledo, Kansas, maybe Florida Atlantic, just to prove my See, point. And I think you're grasping at straws there, is, is what I'm getting across here. He is grasping at straws, or you are grasping at straws, <laughs> having them win the West and going to the playoffs. I did not have them going to the playoff, JSL. So I do not a know ten why and two can... Husker team is not making the playoff. Is that what you were saying to me right That's now? That's exactly what I'm saying. A ten and two team will not make the playoff because he has them getting blown out in the Big Ten championship. Probably. Hey, that doesn't matter. <laughs> They're going to be there. <laughs> you sound like the rest of the Big Ten West teams. Like at least we got to play in the game. After losing by 52 points. But it'll be a nice breath of fresh air to be back at the Big Ten Championship game. And so with that, let's check in with Paul. How do you see that Big Ten Championship game looking this year? Yeah, so I think it's still a big, uh, I think it's a toss up between Michigan or Ohio State again. I still think that Michigan's better than Ohio State. Um, I don't think Penn's, I think Penn State is a clear third. Um if Penn State is the knockoff anybody, I think it would be Ohio State. I think Michigan is still clear cut ahead and they'll be in the Big Ten championship. And against Nebraska. And I have Nebraska coming out. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was a given. I thought that was a given. So I have I Nebraska. I figured when you out. picked nine wins, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. I was I was picking up what you were putting down already. I had it locked in there for you. Yeah, and with nine wins, that would bring us back to the Bo Pelini era. Yeah. So then they're playing probably Michigan again. And, you know, I don't, I think that's going to be a very tough game. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. And that that could take us. That could take us right back into the Bo Pelini years. We could be back to nine and four. And man, what a breath of fresh air that would be. But I do want to say that it is hard to beat a team once in a season, but you chalk it up twice. Two times you got to beat them in one season. It's almost like your win before meant nothing. So I could see a lot of teams looking past their opponent if they got to play them twice throughout the year. Do you think that the second matchup would be closer for the Huskers? If you have them as a loss for both of them, do you think it would be a closer matchup the first time or the second time? I think it's a closer matchup the first time. I think the second time they play, uh, Michigan's firing on all cylinders. They're ready to go. Um, I still think that Nebraska is much improved going into that game, but I think Michigan is just firing on all cylinders. They're ready to go. They're trying to win a national championship and they have the team for it. So I think that's, that might be too much for the Oscars to overcome, especially is, is the big 10 championship still in uh, Indianapolis in the dome. Yes. 
Yeah. So for now, that's taken out. Yeah. That, yeah. So that's taken out the weather factors. I think that goes into Michigan's favor. I think it's too much to overcome. Yeah, and Absolutely. also you factor in that Indianapolis is a lot closer to Ann Arbor than it is to Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, the Husker fans travel. <laughs> the Husker yes, fans are going to show up. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be there. Might be a sea of red. There's something to be said too, though. <laughs> there is, especially without going bowling in six years, and you would be bouncing back and going to the Big Ten championship. I believe that that place would be packed in red. Well, and I can also promise you, if that happened, your boy T cells buying tickets to that game. Those will also probably be the most expensive Big Ten championship tickets we've ever seen. Or the most expensive in the last, uh, what, 10, 11 years? When was the last time Nebraska was there? (laughs) It's all about supply and demand, and they know that the uh, Husker fans are going to buy the tickets anyway, so they'll bump those prices up. Just like they did against Colorado. But then we got to figure out once and for all who we all have this season in the college football playoff. Jason? Why are you going to come at me first, T-Cell? Why do you have to call on me? Because you are just going to come at my my rankings real real quick. You're not even going to let me get anything out. Let's hear it, Jason. You want me to dive in and, you know, why don't you start with B-Salt and then, you know, live in a delusional world. Let me hit back with reality. All right, B-Salt, what you got? Well, I don't know that we're quite at the college football playoffs talk yet there, T-Salt. We still got to lock in Paul's top offensive and defensive player for the Huskers this season. That's right. So I think on offense, I think it'll be Jeff Sims. I think he's the guy that will – everything Everything depends on him. He does great. Offense is doing great. He does poorly. Offense is doing poorly. I think everything's dependent on him. Absolutely, and some would say Heisman watch. That's my Heisman. Yeah. And then I was thinking on defense, I think probably Isaac Gifford. He was listed at that, at that rover spot. And I think that he has to be so versatile in order to play that. And, you know, you're asked to do so much. And sometimes guys will be asked to do a lot. And it's a huge challenge. And sometimes that doesn't uh, always, they're kind of stretched thin at their spot. So if he can play that position and be, like, you know, effective in coverage, come up and make tackles. I think that would be a huge plus for the defense. And I think that is who um, the Huskers need on D. I definitely agree. I think Isaac Gifford has a unique opportunity from that rover position uh, to really help the linebackers as well as the DBs. And depending on how the season goes, he's definitely going to have a lot of opportunities there for the Huskers. Yeah, could not agree more. And he just seemed to be a guy who 
knew how to tackle last season when it seemed like so few guys on the team would remember how to tackle in the game. And that's an important factor to have. It kind of takes me back to the guy, Jojo Doman. When you needed a tackle, you knew he was the guy who was going to run in and just kind of put his final stamp on the play. But now, Bissell, can we jump to the college football playoff? Yeah, I think we're at a I think we're at a good opportunity here. And you know, T, I think there's a couple guy a couple teams that are gonna repeat and be back in uh back in the college football playoffs here. And then you still have a, an opportunity for a couple new teams there. So I'll start with two that I think are gonna just be um gonna be a couple familiar faces, but I think that they will be back in the playoffs. And I think that's going to be Georgia and Ohio State. I've got Ohio State winning the Big Ten, uh, beating Nebraska in the Big Ten championship game. And I've got Georgia winning the SEC. And it's basically a, um, you know, until somebody knocks them off, I just don't see, I just don't see any way that you can't keep Georgia in the playoffs here. In terms of my other two that I know you are, Anxiously waiting on there, Tiesel. I do have one surprise team coming in. Whether they're ranked three or four, it's going to be hard to say. I I would like to say it at the same time because I think I would have the same Cinderella story coming out. And this team could surprise everyone. However, their schedule is super easy. I think it'll come down to one game. If they are able to come out in one of these games and not lose, it's the only game I see on their schedule foreshadowing that they could potentially lose. Now there is one team that they play. Now, Jason, I know, I know exactly where you're going with this. And as much as I love the green wave, I do not have them in my college football playoffs. I think they'll be playing in possibly a New Year's Six Bowl, but I'm not going to be on that bandwagon with you. I am actually talking about Utah. I think they have a great opportunity to come out of the Pac-12 in the final season of the Pac-12, win it, and get into the college football playoffs. They've been so close the last couple of years. They've been to the Rose Bowl. I think this is the year they put it all together. Everybody they play has a high ranking to start the season or is a team that the committee is going to respect. That if Utah can rattle off a handful of wins here, I could see them sneaking into the playoffs here. However, with all those teams being ranked early, that gives them a better opportunity to start dropping games. It definitely is. You gotta you gotta take some risk there, but I think Utah's got enough enough of an opportunity to win. And then my last team is kind of a rebound team, somebody who's been there before, and I'm just doing it because I mean you gotta trust Davo at some point here. And I see Clemson rebounding uh to round out my my top four. I've got Georgia, Ohio State, Utah, and Clemson. Now, I do want to jump in. I'll come right after B. So I think the number one team going into the end of the year is not going to be Georgia. Is not going to be Georgia. I just had to repeat it so everyone could hear it. Listen, there has never been a team to three-peat ever. And I don't think this is going to be the year. I think Alabama 
overthrows Georgia. They dethrone them like they have before. They didn't even have to dethrone them. This is Alabama's reign still, and I think Alabama is back. But I also want to tell you, I think Ohio State makes it. I think Ohio State is going to overthrow Michigan. Michigan has only beaten them two out of the past decade. So that is where I think the Big Ten foe in Ohio State is going to make the tournament. But it comes down to two final teams. And you know what? One of my teams is Clemson. I think they come back. You know, they lost uh, Ulo Ulo whatever his name is. He's at Oregon State, and he's staying in the Pac-4. So listen, I think Clemson's struggles came from the quarterback play more than on the coaching, and the coaching is going to have everything turned around, and Clemson is getting back in. And listen, my next team, I want to go USC. That is who I want to pick, but let me tell you something. USC has a tough schedule. They're playing in the Pac-12, which is going to be non-existent. Why would you even want a team from there? Listen, that is not who we are going with. We are going with the big green wave. And why? It's because they play nobody this season, <laughs> only Old Miss. You will know early enough in the season if the big green wave into lane will be making it to the college football playoff. It is going to be coming down in their schedule that if they upset Ole Miss, who is ranked 22 at this point, don't forget Tulane is ranked 24 in the AP poll. If they beat Ole Miss week two at home, the big green wave are making the playoff. Jason, again, you are living in a delusional world as the same guy who picked the Houston Cougars to make the college football playoff. Last season. It wouldn't be the first time we saw a Cinderella story make it, and you can't leave out an undefeated team. But, Jason, you've never called one of those Cinderella stories, but, you know, they, you know how they say the blind squirrel finds a nut? In your case, the blind squirrel never finds the nut. Tisa, how many hot takes did it take for you to call something right? <laughs> Not you enough, can't Jason. even count that high. No, you no. can't even count that high. Jason, we don't need to get into his record of hot takes here. Tsol, you sound very uh, confident against Jason's picks here. Let's let's round out your top four. All right, so jumping in this year, I think the number one seed. I'm with Jason on this. Is not going to be Georgia. I don't think they're going to be the top seed going to the playoff. I actually feel like the number one seed in the playoff is going to be USC because I think they're going to be the only undefeated team at the end of the season. That's my pick for the number one seed. I think number two seed coming in, you got Michigan. I think Michigan's coming out of the Big Ten. And I don't think they're going to be undefeated this time around, but they'll be sitting with one loss. In the SEC, I think Georgia's going to get passed up because as Jason said, you know, they're the top guy now. Everyone knows it. You know, they weren't a fluke. So everyone wants a piece of them. And I don't think it's going to be Alabama because Alabama has has started their downtrend, it feels like. So to me, out of the SEC, I'm picking LSU. I think LSU has made a lot of jumps from last year, to, uh, from the year before to last year. So I expect them to just keep getting better with all that talent that we know they got down there in Baton Rouge. You're taking and Brian Kelly in a conference to make the playoff. That's correct. Look at their schedule last year. LSU dominated. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia gets topped by Tennessee, but I'm not picking Tennessee to make that final four spot. I think they'll be in contention. I think Alabama will be contention. I think Georgia will. I think Ohio State will be. But ultimately, I suspect that that fourth spot is going to go to Florida State. You're picking a team that's had one, really one winning season of relevance in the last 25 years. Again, B-Saw, I saw a lot of strides last year from the year before, so I'm taking the teams that are on the uptrend instead of the teams like you and Ryan Day, who have shown me absolutely nothing since he's taken over the reins that Urban Meyer left. He literally left them a team that should be constantly winning championships, and he's done nothing with Ohio State so far. You could say that again, T-Saw. Urban Meyer left it, and that is why... I wanted Urban Meyer. He knows how to build a program and one that sustains for years to come. Now, let's just uh, let's round it out here. Paul, how do you see the top four ending for college football this year? So I do have to say that Florida State take is delusional. However, there is a connection (laughs) there. There is a connection there to the Huskers. John Papuchas, who's the special teams coordinator for FSU, was the D coordinator under Bo Pelini. I do remember that. There is a Husker connection there. Then, uh, and I do want to say Tulane with Michael Pratt. I got to see Michael Pratt play a lot when he was in high school. I thought he was a fantastic player. Probably should have been recruited to some bigger schools. I thought he was an excellent quarterback. Um, Green Wave making the college football playoff. Mm. (laughs) But but he is phenomenal and he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, The four teams that I have are Michigan. I have them winning the Big Ten again. Um, Alabama, only because I have them winning their half of the big, or the big 10, the SEC. Um, I think it could be Ole Miss or LSU just the same. I think the three are more or less interchangeable. Um, LSU was pretty close to being that team last year. Um, they had, I think they had a poor start to the season, but they ended up being pretty good. Um, the other side, I think Georgia's going to easily win i think i don't think anybody's on their level um i think they win the sec again as well and then the fourth team i have as usc i think coming out of the pac 12 i think they're gonna walk right through i think they're the champs um overall who's gonna win i think it's gonna be georgia again And just like that, nobody on the panel has a Big 12 team making the playoff this year. But for that, but sweet, that's it on the Sully Scoop. You're here with J-Sol. B-Sol. And T-Sol. And we want to give a special thanks to ex-Husker Paul for coming on. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's great talking to you. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks for coming on. Yep, thanks for coming on, and we look forward to having you back and going through and seeing how your prediction works throughout this season. But don't forget to follow and like and leave a comment if you want to be on next week's Grandstand Gossip. Shout out to Sully Scoop on Twitter. We can bring it up on the podcast, but don't forget you can catch us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Go Big Red.